You're listening to Inside the Outdoors, presented by People for Bikes and the Outdoor Industry Association, where we discuss the latest market trends in outdoor recreation. And now, here are your hosts, Kelly Davis and Patrick Hogan. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Inside the Outdoors. I'm your host, Patrick Hogan. In this episode, Kelly and I pick up where we left off last week with Toby DePaw. We further explore new and creative solutions which retailers can implement to engage riders in 2023 and ensure their shop's long-term success. How can a better understanding of sales data enhance our sales practices? How can we drive customers to engage with shop activities like group rides? Why would we sell a bottle cage at a discount if a customer is not going to buy a bottle? Let's get back into it. In the the year of the peer idea started with what are some ways that retailers can look at the last couple of years of customers, invite those riders back in, but not only invite them, but invite them to invite their peers. Yeah. And so like, what are some ways we can enable excited customers, people that are just ramping up in their excitement of cycling and they're playing kind of that evangelistic role, like, hey, come ride with me. We mm-hmm. like as retailers, we should be equipping our customers to recruit <laughs> other riders and recruit new customers. Yeah. So like thinking about incentivizing like through referral programs or through community, like I have a couple that kind of best practices that I lay out in the article that are just trying to get get those riders who are excited to come back in the store and bring a friend. Yeah, I loved your 50-50 idea. That was it was so simple and it sounded like it was so effective. And like yeah. you know, it, it seems like one of those ideas that after you've done it and you've found success with it, you go like, Well, why haven't we done this forever? But yeah, but sometimes just that reminder that hey, that organic sort of building of stoke and that guerrilla marketing and that evangelism, you can harness that. Because uh, oh, yeah. it's happening whether you want it to or not. Like people are talking to their friends. Why not direct that conversation back on towards the shop? I, yeah. I love that. So the 50-50 that Patrick just mentioned is uh, we had this practice in the shop of when someone bought a bike, we'd give them a card that was called a 50-50 card. And we'd write that customer's name on it. And if anyone else brought that card back into the store and bought a bike, they'd get 50 bucks off the bike. And the original customer would get $50 in store credit. Yeah. It's a basic referral program. You see it all over the place. But the thing I loved about this, and and a lot of my ideas in terms of discounting have to do with this. I don't like blanket sales. And going into this year, I think a lot of people are going to be feel inclined that they have to just slash everything. And I think that's potentially dangerous. So this is an example of a quid pro quo. You don't surrender any value until you've made money. And so the person that's oh, coming, yeah, like yeah. that card, that three penny business card that I give to the person, that might be a cost, sure. But they come like there's no money lost until it's gained. So if that person comes in, they get 50 bucks off the bike. We get so there's like maybe a $75 or so, you know, outlay for the whole thing. But you get a bike sale out of it. And then that person gets a card. And so in our store, we had one young kid, young teenager as a kid, I guess. Um, (laughs) He just started recruiting his whole family. And he had hundreds of dollars of in-store credit just by bringing in his family. And Amazing. What, you should costs, have hired him, Toby. What nothing. are you doing? <laughs> yeah, it, it costs <laughs> costs the shop nothing, but it turns everyone into a potential salesperson. 
Um, so that's just one of the kind of peer-to-peer -peer methods that I like. And like I said, the quid pro quo thing is is going to be really important that we don't just like erode the bottom line because it's hard to come back from that. You know, when yeah. we do yeah. get back to balance, if that exists in terms of inventory and overstock across the industry, we're going to have to like raise those prices back up. And if we've already taught customers that this bike costs this amount, it's going to be hard to get them back up to what it should cost. So I, I like the idea of adding some, like give a little, take a little conditions to the discounting. The other method that was really successful for us that applies now, especially with reaching back and talking to the customers that bought over the last few years is this idea of the 510 method. And in our store, it started out our discount with when you bought a bike from day one until I changed this, we would give away 10% off all accessories with the bike, which is pretty Do you buy in the same transaction? Yeah, in that same yeah, transaction. Yeah, totally. I'm with you. And I think I, I have no idea how it how this started, but I realized like someone bought like a bottle cage and I gave away 10% off the bottle cage. And then they didn't buy a bottle. <laughs> and I was like, well, why did I give that person the 10% off the bottle cage? You know, like, like, yeah, they bought a bike, but the bike costs this. And this is what the bike costs. So like it, they, there was no like, I'm just giving it away. And so I started this thing where if you bought five or more accessories, you'd get 10% off and free installation of those accessories on that day. And within a year, we had almost doubled our add-on sales. Oh, wow. We had watched it over time, average units, average dollars, almost 100% more. It was something like 90 5% yeah. or something more. Hey, we're going to call that about 100% more. That's okay. Yeah. Looking around. Yeah. And because what it did is it just raised the average. Yeah. And uh, we gave our employees freedom. Like if they hit three and they're big ticket, you can give them the discount. If it's four, you can do that. Uh, and sometimes it was seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. You know, like it just, the, the average sure. went way up. And the other thing that we did to kind of maximize this was that was the price tag of the bike was this long I think it was like a four by nine card and it had a checklist of all the most important things that you should consider with any new bike purchase. It wasn't salesy. It wasn't like, oh, can I interest you in this? Can I interest you in this? Yeah. It was more like, what do you, what do you got for a helmet? Have you thought about hydration? Do you have a lock? Like here are the things that are very sensible and really I would be doing you a disservice if I didn't cover these things. Exactly. Uh, and that nature, that approach totally changed our add-on sales yeah uh, not only with the discount but with the approach and so that 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 really that 510 system was the birth of stewardship retail because the the nature behind that is my job as a retailer is not just that you would have a good experience here but like if i've done my job right you're going to have a great experience after you leave the store and if That's i've it. done a poor job you're going to go out into the world unprepared unaware of what awaits you out there. Like if you don't know that bike shorts can make a more pleasurable riding experience oh, yeah. because no one told you, then like the, we're at fault where the, re the retailers at fault. Like I need to make you aware. I can make this more comfortable for you. You know, this extends to any other accessory. Did you know you can ride in the rain without getting your butt wet? You know, like, <laughs> who knew? you know, like, so it's it's about like preparing the person to have the best possible experience once they get out into yeah. the application portion, you know, once they start riding their bike. <laughs> and so that really was like 
we did it categorically where if they bought a gravel bike, here here's a list of 10 things mm-hmm. or 20 things that would be great for your gravel bike or your fat bike or your, and, and actually fat bikes were the first that got the 510 treatment because we had so many things we had to cover. So the, the, the other kind of funny side effect was that the person felt really cared for. Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. I can totally see that. You you thought through this and you're providing your, you know, expertise. And there are three yeah. tenets to stewardship retail. It, the three tenets, I should say, is just empathize, anticipate, and communicate. So as riders, we've learned our lessons. We can put ourselves mm-hmm. in the shoes of the new rider. We can anticipate what they need and we can communicate that humbly and just prepare that person to go have a good experience. I bring this up now, even though I've been talking about it for many, many years. I bring it up now because I think over the last two, three years, people just have not had the full experience in their bike shops. And the retailers, if they really think about it, they could say, that person probably didn't get me on my best day because I was you know, overworked. I didn't have inventory. Everything I had was too expensive. You know, COVID protocol, all these other stressful other things led to a negative retail experience. So I just feel like we have this amazing opportunity now to say, run a report. And so here's the data portion of our data podcast. Retailers, <laughs> I think, could do a, a better job going back into their POS systems, running reports. There's some really savvy, amazing retailers out there. But for the most part, I think retailers you know, don't justify spending their time mining the data that exists at their disposal. So I'm suggesting in this article that you run a report of the people that bought bikes in the last two or three years. You look at their average add-on units, average add-on dollars. And if they fall below either an in-house standard, if you do have a standard or a mm-hmm. goal for add-ons, then there is there is an opportunity. Hey, hey, group of people that left with a mm-hmm. bike and nothing else. Yes. Why don't you come back into the store? And if we can, you know, here's a list of really helpful things for the category of bike that you bought. Come in and we'll guide you through. If you can pick up five or more, we'll give you 10% off and we'll set up your bike for you. Like finish that conversation, invite the person back in to come and finish that conversation that didn't get finished in the store for whatever reason. And then, you know, I lay out a couple different like cohorts in that, in that report. But if you can pull a list of people that bought a bike in the last couple of years, you have a really interesting target and a really interesting kind of like sub demographic of your overall audience. And you can, you know, there might be there. Yeah. Read it in the article. There's more there. Read it in the article. I I want to pinpoint something you said. Like it, it's hard to justify digging into those data. There's a million things to do at at any retail location, whether it's bike or whether we're talking about any Kelly's categories and hike, camp, snow. There's a lot going on, and it's really hard to like, yeah, justify sitting down, like not interacting with your customers, not interacting with your staff, but interacting with numbers on a on a spreadsheet but there's so much value in there um, that can be leveraged into sales and in yeah. building community and like fostering this uh, this like welcoming environment at your shop where you're going to have those sales you're going to have those add-ons you're going to have those riders who are coming for the group ride or the group run or whatever it is you just have to again have faith in that long play that right. there's a lot of value in there to be captured yeah and if you are hosting events like so, so look for many shops, they had to kind of freeze their events throughout the yeah. pandemic and, and some are back up and rolling with those. Some are just getting started. But if you have started doing group rides or in, in-store clinics again, 
I think that's a great opportunity to reach out to that subset and say, because this might be all new to them. They yeah. might not know that you do group rides. They might have been riding by themselves for the last three years and are just, you know, didn't know that you did. Or they might have ridden for a year or two by themselves and then stopped because they didn't have anyone to ride with. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so another idea I throw out in the article is develop like a group ride punch card. And again, this is a quid pro quo. Like, yeah. hey, be part of our community. You know, if you come to three group rides and an in-store clinic this year, we'll give you a shop t-shirt. Or, you know, it, when I throw out these rewards or these incentives, it's just do whatever works for you. I'm not saying yeah, yeah. everybody should wear t-shirts. But the idea is just like my long-term hope is that you would build relationships and be a part of our community so that, you know, ultimately we could have you as a customer for a very long time. And so if you come to a few group rides, you might meet somebody else, you might build community, yeah, might be more loyal customer, a more active rider. Ultimately, getting people to ride more bikes can never be bad. <laughs> so <laughs> incentivize them and punch the card whenever they come to the group ride, you know, yeah. have a whole punch or maybe like if you're worried about people scamming and punching their own cards, you can buy a couple different heart shape or a star shape or whatever. You can run your own security, <laughs> but <laughs> you get people to come and be active and be a part of your community. And then maybe everybody that completes it gets a t-shirt and they get entered to win a larger prize. So again, low cost, super low cost up front. Yeah. Maybe you give away a discount, maybe you give away a larger prize, but something to just get people to be coming in or being active in your community more often. Yeah, I love it. When we talk about, you know, retailers taking the minute taking the long view, like I, I realize how those are juxtapositions. Like they need to take a minute to run the point of sale, which is just taking a moment, but it's really taking the long view and making it, seeing the value in taking that moment to run the report. Running the report is easy. Like the way I described it, you, everyone that bought a bike in the last two or three years, run the report with who they are, what they bought, and then look at their add-on units and add-on dollars. There, you have your report. Then you break that report up into pieces. The people that are, you know, that are maybe satisfied, maybe they have everything they need. Those people like might be ready for service. So you'd want to reach out to oh, that yeah. subgroup with, hey, looks like you got set up. I hope you enjoyed your new stuff. If it's time for service, come in for this service special. It might also be ready to like if they loved what they bought, maybe it's time to upgrade. So here are some of the latest bikes that came out in that category. And you run the report, that's easy. Mm -hmm. You have the pile of emails, then what? I think this is actually where retailers hit the wall because this part is, is not second nature to a lot of retailers is like running an email campaign or running a coordinated social media campaign. But coming out with a couple you know, chunks of messaging that you can start yeah. repeating is, is crucial. So like... Those people that bought bikes the last couple of years, if you had them in the store, what would you say to them? Or if you're writing an email to them, what would you say to them? And I think there's a couple of different like messages that that subgroup could be ready to hear. And they kind of tie back to some of the best practices that I mentioned before. So you run the report, you have the email list, you start writing an email and it's, what are you going to say? Well, one of them is invite them back in to get set up. And it's basically, let's finish our conversation. Maybe COVID cut us off, come back in, 
If you buy five or more accessories, we'll set up your bike then. You'll be ready to go for spring. We'll dust yeah. it off, pump the tires, get you ready. That's like one thing. And, and that can be it. Like uh, it doesn't have to have a ton of different things in an email. In fact, you should just have one. So that's just one email. So there, there's one. The other one is if you do host group rides or events or clinics, lay them all out, like have a calendar mm -hmm, of events, mm -hmm. make that publicly visible on your website, put it all kind of in one place if you can, wherever that one place is. Uh, and then email your email list and say, this is what we've got coming up this year. And like, give them yeah. the long view, like not just like, here's what's coming up this weekend, but like, here's coming, here's what's coming up in six months. Like I realized as I started getting busier, as we started having kids that like, I needed to chart out way in advance. Oh, for sure. Even that if it's not some great. aspirational activity where you need to train up to do a century or something, right. like even if it's just a, a Saturday morning, like I'm going to need more than a week's notice to get a whole Saturday yeah. morning. <laughs> so chart that out at a, a, and then communicate that through an email and say, hey, everybody, this is our calendar of events for this riding season. Please mark these on your calendars. If you're really savvy, you can like embed the little calendar invites in all those different events. Uh, and then you throw out the, the group ride punch card. And then you say, stop into the shop to pick up your group ride punch card this year. We'll have the punch cards behind the counter. Just ask. It gives them a reason to come into the store. Yeah. You pick up the punch card. And then, you know, then you have another thing to repeat throughout this the riding season. Don't forget to bring your punch card. Keep it in your saddlebag. Blah, 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 blah. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> it's yeah, like, it's simple. It's definitely simple. I don't know if it's easy, but it's definitely simple. You know, like the it's not a complex idea. Yeah. But I, I do want to be explicit about something. I don't think we've said it up until now. So like last week's episode and this week's episode, how all of these concepts apply to other categories too. You know, like your your oh, experience yeah. as a as a bike dealer, like we've talked a lot about bikes today, but I'm imagining all of these same scenarios playing out with with you know, maybe just a little bit of variation, but snow camp hike, like some of those, like walking for fitness, even like it's been three years, maybe since you bought shoes, it's time to replace those shoes. Come on in and we can continue our conversation. I I, I love that uh, messaging too. We'll continue our conversation. We got cut off. Let's pick it back yeah. up. But yeah, I, I, I don't want us to just be focused on bikes and kind of lose the fact that, you know, like that, applies just to my snowboard too, you know, like it, it needs a tune up. It needs a wax. It needs, maybe I need to upgrade the bindings. Maybe my, my boots aren't fitting quite right. And I've ridden enough now if I'm a COVID customer that I, I know what I, I like and I know what I don't like, and I'd be yeah. prepared to make a purchase. Kelly, I see you grinning in the background. What you got? Yeah, I never need anything. And that's why my <laughs> shop, you know, engages me every day with all kinds of new toys that, that I can get you know that would make my weekend that much more fun and spring is here and I should get ready for warmer weather and you know it's the engagement is amazing toby and and you've been talking about that's been a a clear thread through yeah. everything you've said last week and this week is the yeah. ability to build community and the emotional intelligence once a customer walks into a shop to to engage them where they are about what they need about what they want what what products might make their experience more useful. So yeah, this, this course is outdoor, even dog yeah. goods. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. At our shop, we, we developed an annual calendar that we sent out as a mailer in like February of every year. 
and it broke the season up into four chunks, four quarters, four seasons. And each season had a few events per season and each, each season was color coded <laughs> and we had coupons that were available within those windows. So oh, there were cool. four, four coupons that could be spent throughout the year. And when they spent the coupon, they could get the coupon punched. And if they punched all four, then they could come in December for another gift. Uh, oh, so it was like, like five or six different visits. And there was a call to action when they got the mailer that said, come into the shop and get a free shop magnet so that you can put this calendar on your fridge. Like That's I wanted so many calls to action, but you ha- I had to spread it out over the year and let those folks plan ahead and be part of the community throughout mm-hmm. the year. So I really like the idea of, of reaching out to the folks that are, are somewhat new to your community or new to your customer list and say, hey, this is what we're about. Here's everything we have going on. And not just your shop events, but here are some of the other events we support locally. Or this is what we're going to go do if we're training for a long gravel event. Hey, we're all going down to, uh, you know, we're going to Stillwater for Mid-South join us yeah. you know we're going to be training through the winter at these three training rides through on these three dates and then we're all going to meet up down there and go ride together that's the kind of stuff that was really successful in just continuous engagement like our our gravel metric was memorial day weekend every year and we'd have training rides leading up to it and literally people it was like when i say everyone and their mom would come i'm being literal, like people started bringing their families to train up to the to the gravel metric with them. Again, one of my proudest accomplishments is just having that kind of like anyone can do this, come be a part of it. Um, but yeah. laying all those things out so people have the breathing room to fit it into their life, as opposed to thinking like, "Hey, we're doing this this weekend. Come right now." Exactly, because uh, I think that's exhausting as an audience, and it's exhausting as a retailer. Yeah, and then the fifty fifty program is the last kind of like easy, low hanging message to say like, Hey, everybody, thank you so much for buying a bike the last couple of years. So excited for this upcoming riding season. If you know anyone that's ready to buy a bike, stop in, get a 50, 50 card, or, you know, there's a 50, 50 card, a little in the email you design in a little card and say, if somebody with your name on it, you'll get 50 bucks in store credit and they'll get 50 bucks off their bike. You know, just give those folks a reason to kind of turn them into evangelists or they might say <laughs> i need a new bike <laughs> so i i want to make sure that with all of these ideas we're not just like saying hey be better in general <laughs> we're like coming up with really <laughs> practical like here yeah. are some like actionable things that you can go go do apply in store or in your marketing this year then can kelp can can kind of like alleviate some of this other doom that you're that you're seeing forecasts and everything so i i think there's a lot of opportunities sitting in your point of sale system right now if you're willing to take the moment to go digging for it i i would love to keep the conversation going uh and and answer any other questions if people are excited to to talk through it yeah i kelly and i have talked so much about how brands and suppliers can leverage data to make better decisions but Bringing it down to the dealer level is something that I don't think we've talked about very much, have we, Kelly? I think we've inferred it. I mean, some of some of this yeah, is yeah. we're talking about just sort of a larger group. You know, we're asking questions of the industry, or we're asking questions that we can project to, you know, fifty-five percent of Americans who participate in outdoor recreation. But this is where the rubber meets the road. I mean, at the local level, at at the shop level, 
at the community level where emotional intelligence definitely plays a huge role in, in how you're dealing with your customers and data can only enhance that, right? So if you're, if you're looking through your database, I bet, Toby, that there are certain people in your database that you know, and you're like, ah, it's Joe, right? And you, you probably remember the last time that, that, that he was in the shop and who he had with him and what he bought and, you know, key members of the community. So you start to like, instead of just thinking of it as data, you start to see things happening as you look at the data, right? This, is the, yeah. this for me is a secret sauce of understanding how to analyze data is that when you're looking at it, you're seeing those stories unfold in your mind, right? You're seeing you're seeing Joe mm -hmm. come in and buying those things. And then you're looking through your throughout your your database and you're just thinking about, hey, I remember, I remember Susie, she came in and you know, she she decided at the last minute to go ahead and buy that bike. And man, I have not seen her since. And I wonder if that bike is just a clothes hanger down in the garage. Maybe and, mm -hmm. and you start to form messages, ways to talk to those customers. And I love how you mix emotional intelligence, Toby, community and sales. So it's not always about, hey, you know, I'm just gonna I'm gonna get every every last dollar out of your wallet I can, and I don't care if you ever ride that bike again. This is about caring yeah. about people in addition to sales. Yeah. And it's just, it's such a refreshing approach. And it does have the power to light up, you know, the dark clouds that are over us right now because we've got too much in inventory and you know, we're working out of this phase in the in the bullwhip effect in which we have yeah. too much inventory and demand is distorted. This is this is such a good time to take care of your community and keep them engaged, keep them riding. And frankly, just being a good human being right now is pretty important. Yeah. I just love that. I mean, it's it's yeah, there's there's something about doing outdoor recreation activities together, whether it's skiing or riding, that is just food for the soul. And I yeah. appreciate that that you appreciate that and don't write it off as, yeah, well, we're we're not selling that. We're selling a bike, but you are selling that. Yeah. You are. And it's a beautiful thing. And I think yeah. the more we can do that during periods in which you know, we've got to make a choice of deep discounts or, you know, what whatever other tactics we can think of to get rid of that inventory and get back to some kind of a normal where we're not all seeing our brands be diluted by by slash and burn sales practices. Yeah. Taking care, care of your community seems like exactly the way to do that. Exactly. Yeah. It is a it is a long term investment. I mean, it, and sure. that's where. I don't I don't mean to minimize the effort and I don't mean to make light of it or make it sound like it's simple. The 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 line connecting that work to your register is a long and circuitous one. <laughs> it is not a straight line. It it takes a lot of time. It's often not straight. You don't do an action and see a result. But the way that I saw this, this really became clear after I left the shop. And and the analogy I've used in the past is like we were doing all these work, all these things and like constantly trying new things and doing things. And sometimes we'd see results, sometimes not. But the 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 cumulative effect of all of those little things steered our business in a way that I couldn't see in real time. And like the metaphor oh, I've sure. used in the past is like grains of sand guide rivers. Like very small efforts deposited over time can redirect massive rivers. And that kind of like, as long as your kind of your compass is straight and you're you're moving in the right direction, doing multiple small actions, those will make change over time. It's just hard to see them in real time. And when I left the shop, again, another metaphor, sorry, not sorry, 
So we were, we were this moving train. We're all like me and my staff, our community, we're all moving together at the same pace. And I couldn't see change because we were all moving at the same pace together. But when I left the shop and I could look back, I realized it had momentum and it was moving. It was moving fast. We were doing really neat things, but I couldn't get perspective on it because I was in it. And I want to encourage retailers. It's, It's hard to get off your train and look at it from a different perspective, but you are in movement. Things are moving you are making positive impacts, even if it's not ringing the register in real time. Keep going, you know, keep at it. It's it's not easy, but it is worth it in the long haul. And like, there's just no other justification for why our little shop was able to do <laughs> what we did in that place. It's obscene. Like looking back and it's just like, <laughs> I don't know how. And the only thing is we took the long view. I just want to encourage yeah. retailers to to. Yeah, do that work even though you don't feel the reward right away. It's it's yeah. hard work. Community is hard. People are weird. People are uncomfortable, <laughs> awkward, like they're offensive sometimes. But unfortunately, people are the only things that buy bikes. So that's hilarious. The customer that we have. Yeah. Before we get too far away from it, I want to go back and highlight a word that I really keyed in on and liked, and that was that data can enhance our our view of our customers and it's not supplementing we're not yeah. abandoning our emotional connection with customers but we're we're complementing our sales expertise with hard and fast facts that are at our fingertips and i think there's a lot there are a lot of dealers or maybe there's a subset of dealers that uh kind of recoil at, at using data in that way because it feels maybe like impersonal or like it's it's just not you know like we're not selling to to this like this line item this person in our database we're selling to these people who we have a connection with and we're going to keep it at that human level and we're gonna we're gonna you know look them in the eye and have a conversation or whatever but like the data that dealers have at our disposal is complementary to that and can be leveraged in a really meaningful way to to enhance that sales experience. And I I didn't want to get too far from that without making that point because I think that that was the perfect word to describe how it can be used to positively impact our bottom line yeah. in, in our community. And yeah, I totally agree. And I I think if we can use it right, it and we're using it to isolate where people can be best served it's the most caring mm-hmm. you know it's it's the it's it's a great tool for extending empathy and i think what you said also made me think about this where like if you're selling a bike and i'm going to keep talking about bikes cuz it's all <laughs> keep going you're on a roll never, yeah never unintended so if i'm selling a bike and this person does not identify as a cyclist they might look at me funny if i say hey you should wear these really tight awkward looking. Yeah. 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 Like they'll be like, "Mm -mm, that's not me. Totally get it. 100%. I don't like wearing them on the outside either, but (laughs) no pun intended. They will believe you after their first or second or third ride. They'll be like, man, they were right. That I would be nice to have a little extra padding. Yeah. I, I think so. So you could look at a report and say, all right, this person bought a bike on this day. We've had, you know, two, three weeks of riding weather. They've got two, three weeks. Now might be a good time to remind them about those shorts. Yeah, exactly. 
because they might believe you now. They didn't believe you before, but you wouldn't know that yeah. unless you ran a report. Who bought a bike? Did they buy shorts? There's your audience. Like just that one simple data point. <laughs> like here totally. are the people That's... that are, you know, ready and now very willing to buy bike shorts. Yeah. I might look for the customers that bought anti-chafing cream. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. There you are. Yeah. Another important yeah, data I, point. I think for me, I was in those days was very intimidated when it came to data and reporting. And I really had to like bring it down to like one actionable thing that I was watching at any given time. And add on sales was a good one to focus on where you're not looking at, you're not asking you and your staff to monitor a dozen different KPIs. It's just yeah, add on. Yeah. It's like, let's just focus on this one thing. And when it came to like raising average sale or something, we would instead focus on one category. So we had this banner <laughs> campaign where we just said, hey guys, this is the season of lube. We're all going to be Go very hyper knowledgeable of lube and we're going to have it easy at the register. It's going to be right there and we're going to bring it up in every conversation because it was sure. high margin, low effort. We made so much money on lube because we were just <laughs> watching that one category and yeah. it was easy. It was right there and it was ubiquitous. Everybody needed it. But sure. unless you just like, like until it was just this sleeping giant of profit. And until I looked at that one column in that one category and realized like, oh, if I can add three to $5 per transaction, mm -hmm. I can add a lot of money to our, you know, bottom line. And yeah. I think that was my way of like managing, like managing the fear of data was looking at very hyper-specific actionable metrics, but only one, one at a time. Sure. That's, that's an approachable way to think about it. Yeah. It's, it's not intimidating if you're like, okay, I found one thing that I want to focus on. I'm just going to focus on it. We're all going to, we're rally, we're rallying behind chain lube. I assumed we were talking about chain lube, right? That is correct. Yeah. Okay. I'm just making sure. Yeah. Chammy uh, butter was a different month. Yeah. yeah I've got to stay can, muted because I'm, I'm laughing. I, yes. I saw you about laughing. The lube. I mean, I, there's so many directions uh, we could have gone there with community and lube. I mean, really, mm -mm, mm -mm, it's a, it's a, actually what's really interesting to me, Toby, is that is that you felt intimidated by data, that you kind of got to a point where number one, you didn't want to look at it because it felt impersonal and it just felt really kind of icky to be looking at that and you know think trying to predict somebody's next move based on some data point on a spreadsheet because it does feel really cold. Was there any point at which you realized that it wasn't that, that it was something different, that it was something that allowed you to, to imagine what would be best for a particular group of customers or what would make them more happy in their pursuit of cycling now that they've decided to buy a bike? What, was there a moment for you or was it just sort of generally um, the process? I think it, the there were all sorts of little awakenings over the years like acting on those single data points. But I think that the it really started to become more clear to me in this role with Black River and now Ride the Spot of like looking at after the register, because really what we wanted Ride Spot to be or what we want Ride Spot to be or what there is there's immense potential in Ride Spot is if it can be the line that connects when they leave the store until they come back. Like they, the, the customer is introduced to ride spot when they buy their bike, they're given a couple routes to go ride. 
they go out into the world and they start riding their bike. I've really wanted to see what we can learn from that. I call it the ant farm. Mm -hmm. Like I want to see what they're doing and I want to see like, and then tie that back to sales. Like how often are they coming to the shop or buying bikes or whatever, you know, are they, if they ride X number of miles per year, are they getting more tune-ups? Are they buying more chains? Are they buying more lube? Like I've, I've yeah. really wondered like, how can we learn from this ant farm, watch what they're doing. And then it's the same ethos. How can we anticipate what they need and provide it before they ask? So that not in a creepy way, not in like a, you know, everyone's listening to our phones kind of way, but like, hey, you're riding your bike a lot. That's fantastic. What would really make this a better experience is this product. And like, yes, I want to sell it as a retailer. I want to make money. And I've already told you why that's a good idea. But (laughs) it's also going to help you. Like you're not going to hear your chain squeak. Or you're not going to have to buy three chains this year because you've been maintaining it and lubing it regularly. Yeah. So that it's this idea that like, yeah, it's it it sounds big brotherish, but like what they're doing and how they're behaving and just providing what they need before they need it. I think I've done a lot more thinking about that now. Yeah, for sure. Um, than I did back then. And a more like because now I think the 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 sandbox or the the ant farm is much bigger in a in a retailer environment. It's a smaller ant farm. And I don't know what they're doing out in the world. I only know what they're doing in my shop. But same, same idea. Yeah, thanks for not projecting your ant farm on everybody. But yeah, <laughs> and, and it, which is a common mistake. I mean, it's a common mistake to look at a small sample of data, which is an ant farm, mm-hmm. and then decide that that's happening everywhere. I love that that you're magnanimous about that. And like, no, this this tells me what my customers are doing and everybody needs to do it. I can't just rely on what you did to understand what my customers are doing because your customers aren't my customers. So it's sort of a yeah. lesson in granularity. Um, yeah. of looking at data. And, and it's funny, you know, it's it's sort of funny to me to he, keep hearing you say, I'm not big brother. <laughs> and you're yeah. not, you're totally not. I mean, think of this in the, you know, there's enough information, meta metadata, you know, sort of a bad way to say all kinds of data that's, that we walk around with. There's a cloud mm-hmm. around us. There's enough of that for almost everybody for us to recreate them in the metaverse, right? So, Whatever you're doing that makes you feel like Big Brother, you know, you got nothing on, on yeah. a no, lot yeah, of other yeah, people yeah, that yeah. that are that don't work. feel bad about that kind of thing. And it mean, loves it's to just, bring us back down to earth and just like crush us with these these horror stories of uh yeah, recreating us in the metaverse. And <clears throat> I, I forget what it was the other day. Do you do you like I love that you just said, I love that Kelly can bring us down to earth and back to the metaverse. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, that was, that was two different things. Bring us back down to well, like from this really optimistic conversation where we're we're able to solve problems and then she's like, "You think that's bad? There's other things that are happening in other areas and and yeah, everything is nothing and nothing is everything." Well, I think it's really important because when you're asking people that don't normally deal with data and think about data in the way that, you know, the right now, you know, in the public discourse we're thinking a lot about our privacy and what data exists and why you know, is my Alexa listening to me? Why is it that I was talking about Thai food and all of a sudden I got something from Yelp about Thai food today? Everything's listening. Everything's after me. I think it's important in, in the age in which it's very easy to see that and, and perceive that as, as bad, which, to think of data in the same way, that, to think of data and, and looking at what people are doing and buying and behaving and trying to build a pattern that will help you help them 
it's not an evil thing. It's just, it, you know, it's, it just is what it is. And, it, and you're not being intrusive and you're not doing anything to try and build them out of money. You're trying to help no. them have a better life. Yeah. And I and, like that. I like the way you're looking at that. Yeah. And I'll underline that with like, as people for bikes with ride spot, the worst thing that can happen is that we'll build better bike paths. <laughs> yeah. Like, man, go ahead. Give me your, give me all your data. Wait till you yeah. see what we do with it. We're going to make things better for you. Like that's the big brother <laughs> action is like writing better policy and making better bike yeah. infrastructure. Oh no. They're coming with our protected bike lanes. Oh yep. yeah. Well, actually that's what we would all love that. Toby, we've talked a lot about data and how it can enhance our view of our customers and how it can um, complement our like inherent sales ability or, or like expertise as a salesperson. If you could give like two to three take homes, takeaways for our audience, like what, what would be the most important takeaways based on this conversation? The first thing that comes to mind is define a narrower, smaller group of people like the people that bought bikes in the last two, three years and yeah. give them six months, communicate that with them directly in a targeted fashion and, and watch the results. You know, don't worry about serving your entire audience because this is not an, ex this is like some of the, the messaging that we're saying that you should reach out to. It's not exclusive. And it's not like, you know, if people bought a bike from you six years ago, it wouldn't apply mm -hmm. to them it very well apply to them. But you know, watching this subset, if I have no idea, we've talked to shops of all different sizes, but that could be a yeah. thousand people, could be 10,000, could be 30,000 people. But just talk to that group, have a targeted, you know, series of messages through direct emails and watch the results. And don't, you know, don't worry about neglecting any other group. But if you could just, you know, pick that smaller target and be really specific. Yeah and monitor the results, I think you'll be in a, in a pretty cool spot. And then you can extend that to a larger audience later. Yeah. I, there's two things that, that, that says to me, one is like, it's okay to bite off a manageable chunk. You don't need yes. to focus on everyone. If everyone's the priority, no one's a priority. So just focus right. on that high priority. And you said six months, like we, we can't expect that we'll have, you know, this incredible sales run after an initial email. It's going to be a long run. You might end up in a spam folder. You might have some work to do with your with your communication strategy or with your messaging, whatever it is. But give it time to breathe. Let it figure out how it's going to land. And yeah. um, and then assess success after whatever period of time feels appropriate. But like six months sounds great. Six months is is enough to gauge success as opposed to like we're going to have three emails in one week, and then we did it. How did we do? Yeah. Well, that's not, yeah. and that might not be an appropriate runway. Right, right. I think the other piece is do one thing. Just just pick one. Just do, do one, one thing. thing. Yeah. Or, or, or like, you know, I throw out a number of ideas in the article. We've talked about a number of things. And these are just uh, like, I hope that some of the some of the article will just get your ideas flowing. And maybe you don't do any of the ideas I recommend, but maybe <laughs> it sparks another idea and you do that one thing, but yeah. just try one thing and, and specifically around discounting, you know, figure out what's best for your business and then give it a shot. You know, it's, there's not one silver bullet for every business, but figure out what works for you. Give it a shot. Just try one thing. 
And then with the blanket discounting too, like, you know, hold out as long as you can. Don't flush the <laughs> yeah. toilet unless you absolutely have to get rid of that stuff. And so it's it's going to be tricky. <laughs> it's going to be tricky. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. And then the other, like the thing that I would recommend that every retailer that's listening do is go for a bike ride. Mm. Get out of your shop. Maybe go take a nap. Take an hour. Yeah. Don't talk to anybody. Go get recharged. <laughs> give yourself a break. You deserve it. That's beautiful. That business will be back. Like all the emails will still be there in an hour. All the phone calls will still be there yeah. in an hour. Just go get a break, break away, get yourself recharged just a little bit. Uh, because we've got a big year coming up. And mm-hmm. this the whole idea with this article and these ideas is like the silver lining is there's a ton of opportunity in front of us. And we don't want to be overwhelmed by the negative forecasts or the doom. Uh, and the silver lining really could be the silver lining your pockets if you can embrace the opportunity. That's beautiful. Yeah, I love it so much. I want to go ride my bike now too. I don't I don't have any meetings for the rest of the day. I might go do that. There you go. These emails will be there. I don't know if the emails being there when I return is good or bad, but <laughs> I'm gonna let it be what it is. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go uh go for a little short ride. Um yeah. Toby, I can't thank you enough for joining us for what was supposed to be one episode, but what has turned into two episodes, um, yeah. each of which longer than our typical episode length. But that that's been so fun to talk to you. And I appreciate you sharing all of your expertise. And we're absolutely going to have you back to talk about something else. Awesome. It's been my honor and pleasure. Thanks a ton for the opportunity. You guys are yeah. doing great work here and can't wait to do it again. Let's get out of here. Let's go ride a bike. I'm going right. to take off. See ya. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Inside the Outdoors, presented by People for Bikes and the Outdoor Industry Association. We'll see you next time.